Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadian Sport Institute Pacific's Podium Cast podcast. In this podcast, we explore cutting edge ideas, gain valuable insights, and dive into athletes' journeys from the world of high performance sport. Kendra Stoner, and I'm so excited you're here with me today. Before we kick off this episode, I'm thrilled to announce our Podium Cast has officially welcomed on a sponsor. Woo! Endure is a Canadian performance sock company. I'm so excited to have them team up with us for this podcast. Now, today I have with me two-time Canadian amateur heavyweight champion, three-time Golden Gloves champion, three-time BC heavyweight champion, top eight at the 2019 Pan Am Games, and Team Canada boxer legend Brian Caldwell. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you very much for having me, Kendra. It's my pleasure. I can't wait to talk to you and your squad. Sweet. Brian, do you want to start off by telling us how you got into boxing? Uh, Yeah, so I actually got into boxing in an attempt to get in shape for soccer. So I played soccer my entire life, all the way through childhood, till I moved to uh, Victoria, graduated, moved to Victoria to play for UVic. When I got here, did a bunch of soccer camps and lots of uh, coaches told me the same thing. Um, I was good enough. They're like, you're good enough, but you're middle of the pack. You're gonna have to be in the best shape of your life if you want to make this team. It's possible, but it's gonna be hard. So just uh, went to the local went to the local boxing gym to uh, get in shape. So I went in Monday night, and uh, first actually it was at an MMA gym was the first one that I went to, and uh, it was boxing class on Monday night. And I went in boxing class Tuesday morning, canceled my soccer tryout because I knew that I never wanted to play soccer ever again. I had found my calling. So I uh, started out with MMA. Uh, I was actually a grappler when I first started. I really liked to wrestle and drop people on their heads. And then just, uh, but after three, four years of playing around with all of it, had a, did a grappling competition, did a couple kickboxing fights, and then boxing fights, and just settled on boxing. Wow. Yeah, been at it for, I think it's 12 years now? 11, 12 years? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, how does boxing compare to soccer in, like, the mental performance kind of space? Uh, they're both sports. I mean, I don't, like, the thing is, what drew me to boxing is that it's not like any other sport. There's a reason why whenever TSN or ESPN or any of those um, major sports media franchises, when they put out, like, what's the hardest sport, there's a reason why boxing always ranks at the top because um, a lot of other sports like soccer and stuff like that, they have elements of what you have to be able to do. But in boxing, you have to do what you're doing in all those other sports while you're uh, – being punched in the face quite literally. So it's not just about like in, in soccer, you're you're very cognizant of your positioning and your teammates, your moving and your tactics, what you're doing. Um, you're setting and you're running plays that you've run in practice. You're doing exactly that in boxing. You're doing literally all that. Only someone's trying to punch you in the face while you're doing it, you know? Or the body, like, you know, so that's what really what separates it. So there's there are there is some overlap between soccer, i.e. the running and the physical conditioning and even some of the footwork. Um, yeah, there, there is overlap, and those skills absolutely translate, but I wouldn't say there's very many things that, besides the, like, the one thing that soccer gave me was because you spend so much time running. I have no problem with the cardio aspect of boxing. It's not a big deal for me to go out and run. Just before I came here, I went out and I ran uh, three miles this morning, and I do almost every single day. Um, so I guess if there, that would be the biggest overlap between soccer and boxing. Mm-hmm. Those seem to be very physical comparisons the mental game i find 
uh, the mental, uh, but back when, when I was a kid, um, that I wasn't really, even 12 years ago, the mental aspect wasn't as focused on as it is now. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely not in the same nature as, uh, as boxing in sense. Um, with, with soccer, your mentality, just the focus of what you're doing. In, in boxing, it's so much more of a one-on-one aspect, whereas in soccer, you need to gel as a team. You can be the best player on the field. So the mental preparation is a lot different because it's, it's not just about you being your best self. Your best self has to gel with uh, other players on the team, right? So even just the motions of your mental preparation are different. Uh, the activities that you go through the night before, day of, um, my day of and night before routines are all about me. What am I doing? Whereas you're going to have stuff with your team. So what are... Or in soccer. Yeah. (laughs) What are some of those strategies like uh, day before, day of, and kind of after to have you win championships? The one that I've stumbled on over the last year that I really liked, um, my coach brought it up and uh, there's a British boxer on Instagram. I can't remember. uh, Box and Burn, I think, is on Instagram. and that uh, He's a former Olympic medalist. Anyways... um, the number one thing that I found really good is the night before, about 7 or 8 o'clock, maybe 9 p.m., I go and I get into bed, and I imagine the whole next day from, I play the whole thing out like a movie in my head. Mm-hmm. I start, and I work my way backwards. The first playthrough, I do, I always like to go and see the venue that I'm fighting at first, so I can see, so I can literally see exactly where I'm going to walk out. I can see all, I can see every path that I'm going to step to the ring, and that's what I'll do. My first playthrough is walking the whole way out like a movie, playing in my head, getting into the ring, everything in the ring. The minute I get in, seeing my opponent, going up to the ref, coming back, and then I play through the whole fight in my head. I do three-minute rounds, exactly what I'm going to do when I come over into the corner for my one-minute break, what my coach is going to say, second and third. Once I'm done that playthrough, then I kick it back even farther. I go an hour before the fight, and I imagine I walk myself through everything I'm going to do, and I keep basically replaying the movie in my head, going back farther and farther until I fall asleep. That way, when the next day happens, it's already all happened. And there's mm-hmm. no nerves. There's no anything like that. When I'm getting through the ring, it's like I've already seen myself get to the ring. I have already know what it's what I'm going to do when I get through the ropes and everything. Mm-hmm. I found that was, is like an exercise I put into practice over the last uh, year or so, especially with uh, working with my new coach, Rich Lestage, that I found has had um, a lot of a lot of success with me, especially for getting rest the night before, but day of jitters as well. Mm-hmm. Are you ever visualizing potential injuries or potential negative things that could potentially happen? Oh, no. Um, when I'm playing, like, it's another thing about boxing is there's no room for, like, if you think you're anything other than an unstoppable, unbeatable beast, mm-hmm. you have no business being in the, in the boxing ring. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to get hurt. It's And it's not like... Because again, when you lose in the bo- when you lose in soccer, when you lose in hockey, football, anything, oh, you lost nine zero. Like that's brutal. You lose nine zero in boxing, or the equivalent scale of nine. You don't remember math Monday morning. Mm. Like it's not like you just got a point scored against. You got punched in the face. You mm-hmm. took damage. Like you know, he cuts all that kind of stuff. So it's just it's uh, when I when I'm imagining, I never visualize. You're, I'm a visualizing being a titan. I'm visualizing being a god. Mm-hmm. I'm like that is my Olympus, and that is like I'm unstoppable. I'm seeing every single punch my opponent's throwing at me, slipping, exact, the highlight reel playing through my head. Like, I mean, stuff slows down, slow motion. I see a third person, it draws back. Boom, I can see, I can see his teeth rattle, his jaw rattle, all of it. 
And that way, when it goes in, there's no nerves. Yeah. Because I've already played it out, and I've probably played it out four or five, six times in my head the night mm-hmm. before. Interesting. I like that visual. But at the same time, like, you're not going to win every match, right? Of course so not. You're not going to win everything, anything no. in, every, in life. No. So but. when that's happening, as that's occurring, what are the emotions and thoughts you're trying to shift your mindset on to try and get back into that match, into that fight? Uh, for me, I just went actually through a couple of those experiences. So my last two fights, I fought the number one ranked heavyweight in the world, a Cuban by the name of Eris Landry Savon. Um, won the Pan Games. I'm pretty sure the world, the men's world championships are going on right now, and I'm not sure if he's already. I saw him in a highlight reel thing last night. Anyways, he was in my last two fights. He beat me in both fights. Wow. And honestly, there was one thing that people have asked me about afterwards, especially in the second fight, because the first one was just a qualifier, so losing didn't really matter because I was still going to the Pan Am Games. Last time I fought him was at the Pan Am Games, mm-hmm. and losing meant elimination from the tournament and no medal. Mm. So, but even when I was in there. One thing I can honestly say is like that Mike Tyson has a speech about this, about um, being scared before the fight and then just biting down your mouth guard when you get in there. About how like, because again, like as much as I'm saying I visualize myself mm-hmm. being tight and I'm unbeatable and I'm unstoppable, but like those thoughts creep in and those little, those dark little moments in training, mm-hmm. that second where you take a, a stop, you take your water bottle and you stop and you let your mind stop. Like the thoughts are like, what if this guy knocks me out? What if he's trained a little harder than me? What if, what if? Mm-hmm. And then that's what's got to motivate you to get back into training. And when you get in the ring, I don't, I've never, like, even even the last fight, like, I, I lost. Like, I, I went after Savon in my last fight. I was like, whatever, it's Pan Am Games. Like, if I get knocked out, I don't care. Like, I'm going to go with this guy. I'm going to take my shot. And I can honestly say, except for, like, the, the last 30 seconds when I was just so tired, um, there's never a point where I was really scared because I just, I know that I've got the power to end at a heavyweight. I'm uniquely blessed. I've got the power to end a fight. So even though, like you're saying, how do you get through it when you're losing? Like, how do you mentally... Because I know that I have the power and I have the ability to end a fight at any moment. And I've got them for 11... I've got them for 11 minutes. Nine minutes of competition. So even if I'm losing, I'm setting stuff up. I keep trying to set that chessboard a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so my jab isn't working. I'm trying to get my right hand. Okay, he keeps exiting on the left. Okay, I'm going to try to set that up, cut him off, go with the right hand. Again, I know if I tag him with my right hand or my left hook for that matter. Mm-hmm. I know I can put people down. So when it comes to overcoming, it's more just about like not giving up. Like yes, you're getting beat, but just find a new way. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to keep ramming up against that wall. Mm-hmm. You hit a wall, you're losing, you can't be it. Fr- keep throwing stuff, get around it. Keep throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah. Like what's the worst you're gonna do? You're already losing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just for me. Is like, and that's what that's one thing that boxing's always taught and given me. When you, you're going to reach plateaus in boxing, you're going to reach things you don't think you can overcome. You got to find a way around it yeah. in the ring, outside the ring, in life. So if you're having trouble, you just don't quit. Mm-hmm. Don't quit and try and like shift your mindset to realizing that you're privileged to be in, in the situation you're in. That's that's another that's another huge thing. Is yeah. like yeah, how 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 lucky I am to do what I do. Like it's mm-hmm. it's another thing. But you've worked your butt off to get to where you are. Oh, very much so. But I still, I mean, I was actually just talking about this earlier today with a, with a friend of mine. It's, I'm, I'm very lucky that my pa- my passion is so, not necessarily monetizable, but like career, career exploitable in the sense that like when I'm out in the ring, when I'm fighting, like a lot of people, they 
attribute the violence of boxing. How like I don't even notice that. I'm having mm-hmm. so much fun. I'm doing what I love to do more than anything else in the world. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you get hit and it hurts and stuff, but I don't. It doesn't even register, right? And I'm so lucky that I get to do that mm-hmm. on the international stage, represent my country, go and. I got to go to Lima, Peru. I've got to go to Bulgaria. I've got to go to the Dominican, to Nicaragua, all to represent my country. And like that's that's been one of the cool. That's been super cool. That is about, so uh, cool. Competing and being in the sport. Even watching you talk about that, you're like, ah, oh, your body language is very excited oh, yeah. and passionate. Like, you know, I love like it. I'm gonna get to like uh, the Olympic trials start in Montreal in um, in December, and I know I'll win those. And then it's off to like we're going to the, the next one is in uh, Argentina in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Like that's sweet. I'm gonna have to go to Buenos Aires next. Like mm-hmm. who knows where this boxing journey that I'm on is gonna take me next? I'm so excited. That's amazing. And it's great. It makes <laughs> it super easy to train. <laughs> cool. I do want to hone in on one 90 second window of yep. your boxing career. So you kind of touched on this on the phone with me the other day, where you walk up to the ring, you get in the ring, and you're standing there. You're warm. You're getting pumped up. You're ready for your fight, and you're standing there looking your competition in the eye. Tell me about that. I have goosebumps just thinking about like seeing that. That blows my mind. Um, honestly, it kind of like it kind of comes down to in in the moment for me. Like every time, I'd say pretty much every time I've gone to the ring, I've had a different approach. In the mm-hmm. sense of those last, in the sense that um. Because I've gone to the, I've gone to the ring angry. I've gone to the ring trying to intimidate my opponent. I've gone to the ring intimidated. I've gone to the ring and done all those things. Like um, the number one thing is when I'm standing there is just is just don't show weakness, mm. and just honestly, since since you bring it up the heart racing, mm-hmm. that's the number one thing I'm doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Is I can feel there's like everything starting to get kind of quiet, and those last you're like those last 20, 30 seconds when the ref um, comes and checks your equipment, goes to the other guy, and it's come, when you see him come back in the center, because you know right about then when the ref's coming back to the center of the ring, you've got about 10, 15 seconds. He's going to check with the officials, and then he's going to start it up, right? Like, mm-hmm. And um, for me in that moment, honestly, I'm, ju- I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking like, I'm, I've got Mike Tyson playing in my head, like bite down your mouth guard. Like here, like there's no escape. Honestly, one of the last things that goes through my mind every fight is there's no escape. Like you're in it now. Mm-hmm. Time to go to war. Like you, there's no more backing out. There's no more running. Like that that option is fled. Mm-hmm. Buddy's about to hit the starting bell. Like there's no more because up until that moment, you can fake an injury. You can bail out. And there's again, there's that small little voice somewhere inside of you that's like, hey, maybe this giant across the ring isn't such a good guy to go and fight. You just quash that voice, and then in the last couple seconds, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just thinking, bite down your mouth guard, yeah. and like, let's go, buddy, like, let's, and like, excited, except like it's, and that for especially for the like, um, since I've really met the international level, is it's, it's about, it's really, it's a competition sense of me, of it's, it's pretty, pretty basic and primal, and it's just like, there's a genuine smile on my face, is it's like, all right, let's find out who's tougher, mm-hmm. like, just slap, like, let's just go and let's punch each other in the face. So you kind of mentioned standing in the ring and going almost trial and error. Like I've been excited, I've been intimidated, I've been scared, I've been stoked. Like, what kind of has been, I don't know, one that's worked for you the most? What mindset? That calmness. Calm. That calmness mm. of like, of just telling myself like it's over. Like Pratt, you've done everything you can. Like this is happening. Mm-hmm. Bite down your mouth guard. Um, 
the last few fights I've had, again, working with over the last year with my new coach, Rich Lestage, um, we've done a lot better job of having a game. Usually one, two, or three specific things we're trying to accomplish in each fight. Because again, as an amateur, because I'm not pro, even though I'm competing internationally, even though I'm competing at these high levels, we'll st we're still working on developing me as a boxer and developing yeah. my skills. So even though I was going to fight Savon my last couple fights, I didn't know that because I'm at amateur tournaments. I don't know who I'm going to mm. draw. So I don't know whether I'm going to draw the States, Cuba, um, Argentina, Brazil, whatever. So when we go into each fight, so those last couple seconds, yeah, it's like it's, it's just being calm and going and executing it because emotion will cloud your, like, you know, the Jedi have it correct. You know, mm -hmm. Emotion clouds the judgment. Mm -hmm. like, you gotta stay calm. <laughs> so just being, like, so hard, though. Yeah. Because exactly like you said, just just the thought of it, right? Like, even yeah. me, thinking about my last couple fights, like, and they've already happened. Yeah. Thinking about those last couple seconds, like, your heart rate, that's the Adrenaline. fight or flight, right? Because mm -hmm. your body knows, oh, it's about to get into something. <laughs> it's going to get fired up. Something's going to happen. Yeah. So how do you calm your breathing in those um, moments? I worked just honestly with um, working with like the physios and the chiro, just the general like sports therapy, like the rehab side of the sport that I've been working with for over the last, I don't know how long I've been BC champion, I want to say like six, seven years. Um, it doesn't matter the specialist in their class. Everybody uh, seems to value and prioritize breathing. So I've just taken like little tips over the years from each practitioner. So when it comes to calming my breathing, I've just got a couple things I focus on about like opening my diaphragm and like breathing into my stomach. And then, you know, in through the nose, like honestly the basics. Mm -hmm. Just in through the nose, just feeling your whole lungs and chest fill up and then slowly air out again. And then really focusing on trying to bring in that maximum inhalation or whatever it the is. The mindfulness. What importance yeah. do you find that plays? Oh, breathing's, breathing's huge. Like and again, for grounding and centering you in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, for that calmness, because you, you can absolutely... When you hyper focus in on something like that, especially something so basic, you can push everything else away and it's gonna lower your heart rate, gonna bring everything down. Definitely. Um, little fun question. Sweet. <laughs> do you listen to music? I do. When you're pu getting pumped up, getting ready for your fight? I honestly, I only listen to like one kind of music. Doesn't The genre is not important to me. It's yeah. whenever I'm listening, I don't have sad music, I don't have happy music. I just have to get fired up music. Doesn't matter whether I'm driving, whether I'm getting ready for training, just chilling at home. I only want to listen to one type of music, and that's like music that gets me fired up and gets me upbeat. Nice. So it doesn't matter whether it's uh, hip-hop, rap, metal, death metal, like what genre it is. If it gets me like pumped up and fired up, then I'm good with it. Dance moves? No. What? I am Caucasian. Caucasian men are well known for their lack of rhythm. The small amount of rhythm that whatever benevolent being exists <laughs> gave me has been entirely consumed by my boxing skills and athleticism oh. there is no rhythm left over for dancing yeah. and anyone who is close to me will vouch for that in the once in a while when i do bust a move yeah no dancing for brian no bueno no bueno <laughs> that's awesome um if you were in my shoes do you have any questions you would like asked oh that's a tough one. Uh, mm. Not really, no. <laughs> you know, the questions I'd like to ask myself. Totally uh, fair. Um, so qualifiers for the Olympics. Uh, yeah, starts up. with uh, starts with the Canadian one, Canadian mm -hmm. uh, ones in Montreal. It's uh, effectively it's a, it's a nationals tournament. Um, provincial champions from each of the provinces can send their champion 
Um, we fight in a tournament, and then the winner goes to. Um, it's a little more complicated than that. I, don't, I think it has something to do with they have to, like, I have to lose twice or something like that. I'm not sure. Again, the rules are changing all the time. Yeah. Anyways, the winner of the Canadian Olympic trials, however that format may be, will then go to, I believe, the um, the American trials, which is, as we said, which is North and South America, which will be in Buenos Aires in Argentina, which is in, like, February or something like that. That's one way to qualify. And then the other one is, I believe it's the world. They just sent us an email on this because – so up until recently, for those of you, I don't know how many people watching this know. So up until very recently, amateur boxing was run for the IOC by ABA, A-I-B-A, Amateur International Boxing Association. Well, ABA just this year has been suspectly corrupt for since the beginning of time. But in this last Olympic cycle, was actually suspended over the last year and lost their privileges of running amateur boxing. Whoa. So the IOC, I believe it was in July convene like an emergency committee which was made up of like different sports i remember that there was the old president of gymnastics or whatever and they were brought in as the ioc basically went somehow fix boxing and keep it in tokyo 2020 because there was a very big risk that we weren't going to be in tokyo next year Mm -hmm. anyways so it's a little this whole qualification is a little bit janky and i don't have 100 answers Mm -hmm. because this new committee has just come in and in july announced what the new qualifications were and everything like that and it's Mm -hmm. a little pretty sure yeah there's the world championships and then the um the qualifiers are your two shots to make the olympics next year so so you're just gonna have to roll with it exactly roll and with just, the punches. just keep that well the mm-hmm. great thing about boxing is as long as you keep winning the next door is like the, mm-hmm. the progression in the pathway in boxing both amateur and pro mm-hmm. it's been around for 100 years it's very well set in stone as long as you keep winning you always know what's next mm. so um, with all these like changes that could potentially happen with qualifying for tokyo yeah do you have any tips on like keeping that mindset just proper and focused in on qualifying, no matter what process it's going to be, just winning? <laughs> oh, that's good. It's, it's kind of the generic one that I feel like a lot of high-level athletes will tell you, which is just con- focus on what you can control. It doesn't matter what the qualification is or what it, that's the thing with boxing as long as I win, right? So all I can focus on is what I can control, which is training and being in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had two very big opportunities come with uh, my shots at getting a crack at uh, Savon. Um, unfortunately, both of them let past. So I just have to keep being ready for the next one, ready for my shot. Because, I mean, just actually locally, we had a guy, uh, Tristan Connolly, mm-hmm. um, from over in Vancouver, um, had his own unicorn moment, actually. The UFC had a fighter drop out. They needed one. He jumped up a weight class, five days' notice, took his shot. Tristan, I think he got fight of the night bonus. He's got 100K. He's killing oh it now. Goodness fought amazing just a testament to the he's been working like he's been working his butt off for Mm -hmm. the last like same time as me i think tristan was in when i started for 12 years and then this opportunity other opportunities have presented themselves and he's you know taking them but this one he was in shape on five days notice took his shot Mm -hmm. and he's catapulted his career and he's done so great for himself and for the for the combat sports scene and the west coast as a whole but now I just have I have to kind of follow that mentality, and mm-hmm. I would sure I'm very confident that Tristan would largely tell you the same thing. Just what you can control. He stayed mm-hmm. in shape. Mm-hmm. He's always taking those opportunities when they come. He stayed injury free. So that's all I can do, especially with qualifying and what comes next. Just don't know when they're going to put me in the ring. Like I've got general ideas. Like I know like the qualifiers. Don't mm-hmm. know exactly. Don't know who I'll fi- who I'll face when I get there because mm-hmm. it's always going to be a tournament and round robin. So all I can do is take care of me. You know, do yeah. my training. Make sure I'm in shape. Again, like, just work on what I got. 
from that, mm. luckily, I don't need anybody else for. I love that. That's awesome. Speaking of that going up in a weight class, you, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, guys who do that are crazy. Like, especially. Going up, going down, all of it, the fluctuating of weight, like that. Some guys can do it. Like, um, and, and there's different sports, different commissions, different everything mean different things. So, um, for example, Tristan moved from 155 to 170. That's 15 pounds. That's wow. freaking huge. His opponent didn't even make 170. His opponent probably walked in the ring. So that's what makes Tristan's accomplishment even bigger is, like, how monumental it is because of, that's what he gives up. But that's why there's weight classes is because – in reality, you shouldn't be facing anybody more than like 10 to 20 pounds away from you. Mm -hmm. But there are, depending on the weight class, depending on the sport, there are guys who kind of come in that weird middle ground. Like maybe you walk around comfortably at, say, like 178 when the weight class for MMA is, is 170 right now. I think they're adding another one at 175. But for right now, it's, 170, it's 155, 170, and 185. So let's say you walk around 178. Well... Yeah, you could go to 170. It's eight pounds. It's not a big cut. No big deal. But in reality, most of the guys you fight at 170 walk around at like 190. So when it comes, and they're going to cut down through their fight camp to about 178, and then they're going to make the same eight-pound cut that you do. But come fight time, they're going to... Now, the UFC has also taken steps to make it so there's not these monumental weight cuts, mm -hmm. but it's because, it's because of things like this. So some guys would end up in that weird middle ground, so then they'd make that 178 all the way to 175 or to 155 or whatever, right? So the reason for the weight classes and the weight cutting is guys trying to get advantage, like trying to get advantages or take advantage of different things. The difference between fighting in different weight classes, lower weight classes are faster. If you think that you have a lot of power and you'd, you'd be able to expose that lot of size, you want to get as low as you can. Mm -hmm. You got the reverse side of it, I never understand it, is when you move up in weight classes, you're going to you're gonna be used to fighting guys who are 155. When you fight them at 170, mm -hmm. you're going to be faster, mm -hmm. but they're going to be bigger is the trade-off. Mm -hmm. So, Can I you mean, just like explain what that process looks like? Like when I think of going up in a weight class, it's let's eat steak constantly for 24 <laughs> hours. Like... How do you do that? <laughs> there's there's um, a, a few different methods in the sense that it all comes down. We, under, we all understand the basic idea of calorie intake and expenditure. and mm -hmm. then So to go up in weight class, you have to take in more calories. But it also comes down to the type of training you're doing. Um, mm. And I mean, there's so much. We're seeing more and more specialization in sports as we move forward more and more. But it's that, that's really what it can come down to. The, the weight uh, the weight that you're pushing the frequency that you're working out mm -hmm. um, the straight up purpose of your workouts are you like if I'm gonna if I'm uh, going down in weight I'm trying to cut weight I'm gonna be doing 30 to 40 minute runs my weight starts to get I'm gonna shorten it as I get closer to competition I'm less caring about doing weight um, same thing with, with sprints and that kind of thing if, if I'm if I'm going up a weight class I'm going to try and get my cardio from high intensity interval rounds rather than the long distance fat burning, right? Because if I do the long distance running, the long distance things get my cardio, that's where I'm going to lose weight. Instead, I want to come in, I want to hit it, far, hit it hard, hit it fast, explosive workouts. And at the end of the day, I'm probably not the best guy to, I have a nutritionist, I have a strength and conditioning coach, I have all of that because mm -hmm. I struggle to th think the same way as you. Um, that we're talking about right now, my, walk, my comfortable walk around weight is about 206 to 208 right now um, we've talked about when I turn pro when I go amateur moving it around and um, even the act of moving me five pounds up or down takes 
a big change for my nutritionist and for my strength conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. So to move entire weight classes, I honestly don't know how guys do it because it's not just... And when I, so the only thing I can speak about is from the competition side. I know outside of fight camp, I tend to balloon up to about 215 to 220. And when I first start fight camp, it's not even so much that I'm out of shape, so much as my body's just carrying around 15 extra pounds, nearly 10% of my weight class, right? So I move differently at 220. I'm not as fast. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine trying, no matter how good a shape I was in, it would take my body, my muscles, my movements, my everything time to relearn it's, it's a different body at mm-hmm. 220 than it is at 205 so definitely to move weight classes I, I mean the most common way that you see it done is um you see a little bit in boxing is guys um you see them start very young in their career like in their early 20s they'll start in lower weight classes and then as they get older and they start to fill out for that man muscle on and get a little thicker they'll go up over time right because it gets harder and harder and harder mm-hmm. to cut that weight but to just to just do what Tristan did to just jump from 155 to 170 that's just yeah <laughs> that's just nuts and that that's i mean mind. he probably walks at 170 and the guy didn't make weight and probably came in the ring they're probably you know 25 pounds that guy wow, wow. i mean roy, like i mean roy jones did that crazy run back in the what 90s 2000s where he went and he fought all the way up to heavyweight but i mean that guy was a freak of nature athlete right so mm-hmm. i mean weight weight cutting is one of the, the we're seeing more and more legislation kind of come around between uh commissions and stuff mm-hmm. as they're trying to get away from it uh, and make it more and more controlled because there's a danger around it. There's a danger around how far fighters and athletes are willing to deplete themselves. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thanks for explaining that. Do you have anything you'd like to add while we wrap things up? Uh, not particularly. Uh, we got a fight uh, next weekend, September 28th in uh, Souk. We have the Souk Slam. We have a bunch of local fighters on it. Actually, uh, one of my up-and-coming fighters uh, Jill Doucette from my gym will be on it. She'll be the main event. So it's a nice local boxing card to get everybody out and excited about this kind of stuff. Yay. Thanks for coming on with me today, Brian. No problem. Thank you for having me, Kendra. Yeah, I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. Um, announcement. We have got our podcast on Apple Music now. So it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, Google Cast, all the podcast distribution platforms. So you just google us you'll be able to find us all right thanks again brian really appreciate you coming on everyone have a fabulous day thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the podium cast if you have any feedback or topics you'd like covered send us an email at athlete at csipacific.ca stay tuned for our next episode and have a fabulous day